Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. For more information and to donate online, go to 3cr.org.au. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Hi, I'm Kim Salmon. I'd like to have a quick word about uh, public radio, particularly 3CR. The thing about public radio is that it's more open than the more formatted types of radio to what's going on around it. So when you listen to it, you're more likely to hear a reflection of real life. And 3CR being in the heart of Smith Street, Collingwood, is a particularly good example of what I'm talking about. If you'd like to uh, subscribe... The number is 94198377. You've been listening to the same. You could never understand. Hey, diddle diddle. The bicycle riddle. The strangest part of the deal. Just keep your accounts and add the amounts. The sundries cost more than the wheel. Step off the bike, bring the breathing back down to a sensible level. Let those muscles relax a little bit. Sit up. You're listening to the Yarrabug Radio Show here on 3CR. Podcasting, streaming or listening to the tranny in the kitchen. Many thanks to Democracy Now, Amy Goodman, for keeping us up to date on things all South American and American. We have a good show coming up today. We're going to talk about road safety the nuts and bolts, our progress, and where's it going? And so a long-time guest, Elliot Fishman, is here to join us. Good morning, Elliot. Oh, I should give you some red light. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry, I've got one of my headphones a little bit kooky. I'm having, I can't, um, I'm not getting everything back again. Mono. Good morning, Faith. Good morning, Val. Beautiful morning out there as spring is really springy. It was good. It is. Great to see everybody out on bikes, of course. We've got a faith. Yes. Share a bike moment. (laughs) Get me off this. (laughs) Um, I guess I I had a a couple of sort of bike moments last week. I had a couple of... um, I'm on warm showers, and uh, yeah, so yeah. we often host cyclists who are travelling around um, intermittently. Sometimes you need a break or you need the space for yourself. But um, we had uh, a lovely French couple, two women who were from originally France but had been living in New Caledonia and at the moment were travelling around Australia with their two-year-old. So they had two Surleys and a trailer, um, and the most gorgeous little two-year-old. So it, w- it was nice having a two-year-old in the house again. It reminded you of all that 
sort of those fun interactions and uh, also seeing um, that really simple, straightforward joy about the motion of a bicycle that people, in someone who's not got any complicated ways of thinking about it yet. Yeah. There's no fear. There's no, uh, um, yeah, it was just enjoying the motion and really expressing that. Lovely child crawled around the floor at commuter cycles. Oh, yes. And introduce you to the real side of, of cycling. <laughs> Wonderful to see them. It's just great to see those people doing things like that. Yeah, really and they've got, you know, they're going to do Tasmania now and then three months in New Zealand and yeah. then they're off to Japan oh. for another three months. So, yeah, fun times. Fun times. <laughs> and they look very happy. Yes. yes. Yeah. Yeah. No, they're all having a good time. <laughs> Bike moment. Well, uh, my family have just moved into a new house and it's slightly longer uh, travel distance to my daughter's school. So we went to their arts festival fete at Thornbury Primary School on Saturday and uh, my daughter and I and my, my wife and younger child uh, all rode back together and uh, Lily's seven, so she's, she's pretty confident on the bike but um, riding on the road in in traffic is a really interesting experience when you're an adult and you're there to protect and you kind of feel like a like a mother swan or something protecting all the little kids um so you ride differently um and yeah but it's i think it's a good way for her to learn to have um myself and uh her mum riding together trying to teach her all the ins and outs the tips and tricks of how not to get hit on how to reduce your risk on uh, riding. But I think it's actually a really good thing if perhaps uh, roads ministers and safety ministers rode with their kids on roads in traffic with uh, yes. with their children. And I, it really highlights the level of vulnerability that you have when you don't have any safe infrastructure to ride. And also you really get a sense of the some of the, the level of uh, aggression and impatience from Motorists, so you're very sensitive to the the tone of the yeah. the motor of the car behind you, and uh, trying to anticipate what that what that noise means in terms of you know whether they're going to be patient or whether they're going to be aggressive. Yeah. So it really makes you sensitive to the road conditions. I think faith that's one of your good sayings was the road's not safe until I can ride down it with my eight year old daughter mm-hmm. and feel safe. Mm-hmm. That's part of that of what a safe bike that's path right. means. Yeah, uh, exactly. Uh, I, I wish. I wish. It'd be great if they could. It's just a matter of actually watching it or seeing it, living it for a couple of days. Mm-hmm. And especially, you wonder why magpies attack people. I mean, like you said, when you're riding along, you become the mother swan and mm-hmm. the ducklings are all in a row mm-hmm. learning how to go, picking which driver's going to overtake you in the next couple of minutes. <laughs> I'm so, my little bike moment, I've had a total bike moment a couple of weeks ago of just watching a very experienced, rather tall road rider go through this wonderful S-bend that's around hard left, then hard right, and it really was just watching poetry in motion. I'm walking to the park with the dogs the other day, and there's a, it's not a good corner, it's a blind corner. Here's a different roadie, a oh, different bike rider, I'm sorry, I should rephrase that completely, Dressed out very nice black and a little bit of dark red somewhere. On the apex of the corner, he swung out behind the car in front of him and went to overtake it. 
On the suburban Bendigo Street, on a blind corner. I said, mate, you're okay. I know you're going well, but you could have waited until the car got around the corner at least. I took it over, but took it on the right-hand side. Anyway. Did you buy a Tats Lotto ticket after buy, that? Yeah, no, but it's, it's part of normal training. Come on. Right, a little bit of news. Yeah. We should drift into the news. Okay. Uh, um... One uh, piece of news is Google Maps is often a bit tricky with bicycle routing. Um, You know, they might prioritise a road that's been given (coughs) a painted bike lane over a quieter road. And and what I find is often that road got given a painted bike lane because it's used a lot by trucks. So, you know, you know as a local that that other road Uh. without a bike lane would be better. So anyway... um, they're looking for user feedback on bike routing. There's a team waiting for feedback to fix issues and errors and a form you can use to do that, uh-huh. providing screenshots and photos. So we'll put a link up to that form with the podcast um, because the uh, URL isn't going to make any sense on air. Um, you do need a Google account to use it, but um, that's uh-huh. an opportunity to improve Google for bike users and uh, another opportunity to improve things for your local riding is the Maribyrnong Draft Bicycle Strategy for 2019 to 2029 is now open for feedback if you live or ride in Maribyrnong or as they point out if you don't ride but would like to like uh, what's uh, putting you off it will guide the next 10 years of investment in cycling in Maribyrnong, so it's pretty important that you give them your feedback on that. Um, it nominates major projects aimed at increasing cycling through increased physical separation and safer speeds. So uh, we'll put a link up to that, or you can Google Maribyrnong Draft Bicycle Strategy 2019-2029. There we go. It's been in the news a bit lately over the last couple of or the last six or so months, and I've mentioned it a couple of times. But it's um, we have appallingly bad quality fuels in Australia, whether diesel or petrol. The petrol's a lot worse than some of the diesels, but that, that's what comes out of the refineries. And our federal government is right on top of this, as you know. That they're going to wait till two thousand and twenty-seven to lift the standards of that fuel. So they can get all the stakeholders together and push it along. Slow mo doesn't want to do these things by heart. I know. Two thousand and twenty seven before I get a cleaner piece of fuel. And you notice this was sold in the election as actually with a push to electric cars was and Michaela Cash was lovely with this. It's gonna ruin your weekend tradies weekend. Yeah, you're gonna steal the weekend and uh, and no more no more tradies. Uh, although, uh, I think later on this month Tesla will be coming out with a uh, a utility, a pickup uh, all electric vehicle. So maybe tradies will still be able to convert to electric if they would like to. They make no noise though. <laughs> Part of having those big things is like nearly having a motorbike with a hole in the muffler. I love that deep growl. <laughs> <laughs> we should move on. Also uh, in the news, uh, just a, a small piece of news but very significant, um, Darm van Raith, who's a sports economics researcher and professor at the Faculty of Economics and Business at the Catholic University of Leuven in Belgium, 
Uh, TV viewership of the women's cyclocross in Flanders for the first time ever. The Flemish TV audience for the women's races were better than the men's races. 577,000 versus 562,000 for the Yarmark Cross in Neil Monday last week. Going the way of all professional sport. Yes. She can look at her blokes. <laughs> Sorry. Which had really been an interesting... Yeah. You know, 10 yeah. years, I mean, it's, um, yeah. it's good. Um, we should go to a break and we'll be back with road safety. Get on that bicycle and ride Neat the sunny skies over along the ocean side 3CR would like to thank our Yarrabug program sponsor, Vacro Second Chance Cycles, for their financial support. Second Chance Cycles is a fantastic community workshop that recycles bikes, trains people in bike mechanics and sells bikes to the local community. To find out more, Google Vacro or drop in to the underground car park, Harmsworth Street, Collingwood, any Thursday or Friday. Yeah, get on that bicycle and ride Neath the sunny skies or along the ocean side and you're back listening to the Yarrabug Radio Show on 3CR. As Val mentioned at the head of the show, we've got Dr Elliot Fishman from the Institute for Sensible Transport in the studio talking about a road safety symposium planned for March in 2020. Um, maybe, I think it was really interesting what we were talking about before, just before the program. Maybe we could kick off, Elliot, with um, the motivation behind the symposium. Yeah, sure. So one of the things that we do each year is bring about nine transport and land use planning professionals from Australia to the Netherlands, and we have an immersive week of uh, talking to experts and practitioners about transport innovation and road safety is part of that. And the most recent study tour that we did just in June this year, uh, one of the themes that really emerged from that week was how road safety, the impetus for improving road safety outcomes in the Netherlands back in the late 60s and early 70s was really the, the catalyst for a lot of the different transport innovations that the Dutch have become famous for over the last 40 years. And uh, that has been the, the platform upon which a lot of the, the separated bike infrastructure and safer speed limits all got introduced. It was all about trying to make the street a much safer place for people uh, of all ages and all types of transport to be able to move in. And so it occurred to us that perhaps that's something that Australia should start thinking about more closely and differently to the way that we've been thinking about it in the past. And so we're bringing over a couple of experts from the Netherlands and they're joined by some Australian transport and safety experts so that we can try and lift our game a bit and start to improve upon what are quite uh, disappointing outcomes in terms of road safety over the last year or so. So th there's more that we can do, and this is about understanding what we need to do in order to get the road safety outcomes that we want. And so what is it particularly about the last year or two that is concerning about road safety in Australia? Yeah, well, when you look at the trends, and I don't know if this is mirrored in, other, in all other states, but I know it's mirrored in some states, and that is that over the last, say, seven months of this year, there were more fatalities than there were in the full 12 months of last year. And that's true for all different transport modes. So whether it's uh, cars, uh, whether it's walking, cycling, they're all going up. Cycling 
fatalities went up 250% just in the first seven months of this year compared to the full 12 months of last year. So there's something not going right. Part of that could be uh, speed compliance. It could be uh, drug and alcohol affected drivers. Uh, But I think one of the big things that has happened now that perhaps wasn't around 10 years ago or even five years ago is the widespread use of smartphones, uh, you know, they're designed to be addictive and it seems as though Australian motorists find it difficult to stay away from their phones while they're driving. I think at least one in three drivers admit to using a phone uh, while driving and when every second that you spend looking at the screen is one less second that you could be looking out scanning the road for different things that occur and so that makes it dangerous and that might be one of the reasons why our fatality figures and our serious injury figures are up uh, in in uh, the first seven or eight months or so of this year compared to the full 12 months of last year. And what are the elements of road safety in the Netherlands um, without preempting the symposium? elements from their experience in the 70s and 80s that could improve safety now when we're looking, we're facing different issues? Yeah, look, I think there are a few things that they've done that I think could really be taken on in Australia that we haven't taken up yet. One of them is 30 kilometre an hour zone. So Mm -hmm. uh, almost all residential streets in the Netherlands are 30 kilometres an hour and they haven't had a death on those streets in over 10 years. So they're very safe now. Uh, they try and treat their residential streets almost as an extension of their living room uh, where you can you should be able to go out and uh, play with your children or, or, or neighbourhood kids playing together. So a lot of listeners that are 40 years plus would probably remember uh, playing in the neighbourhood with, uh, with, with the other kids in their street. That's something that doesn't happen as much anymore in Australia. They've, the other thing they've done in the Netherlands that I think we could really learn from is not seeing every street as a through street. So recognising that there are some streets where it makes more sense to close it off to motorists and open it up for cyclists and pedestrians. So a good example in Melbourne of that would be, say, Napier Street or Canning Street, where uh, everyone can still access their property by car if they need to, but it reduces through traffic because it makes it uh, really... uh, annoying and difficult to to drive through that street. So you'd never use those streets as a through street. So they've done a lot of that in the Netherlands. So rather than it being the exception, as it is here in Australia, it has become the norm. And uh, they've also done a lot of interesting things in some cities where they have prevented motorists from being able to drive into the centre of the city and then uh, continue in the same direction. You have to, you can still access the city, the centre of the city by car, but you have to leave the same way you came, which means that the only people that use the car to access the centre of the city are people that need to do something in the city and then leave again. They've almost eliminated through traffic, which yep. I think is a, um, definitely a good outcome from a livability and economic competitiveness uh, perspective. Yep. Uh, so th- there are quite a few things. Also, uh, They've created a huge network of separated bike infrastructure and there's countless numbers of study tools now that are going to the Netherlands just to find out how they've done that and how other countries can try and emulate what the Netherlands has done. The... um Sorry, Elliot. Um, you're just talking about the quiet streets and kicking the yep. footy. I live in a whatever, no through road, quite short. <laughs> all the kids are out playing cricket, riding their bikes up and down the street all the time. You know, I'd said hello to them all this morning. So <laughs> it still does happen, but it is a tiny, you're right, it is a completely tiny thing. Tell me, um, with the, um, um, the 30Ks and the other thing, 
There, I read an article the other day about the whole green wave thing, about actually if we spent money on, I know this is about fixing up cars, if we spend more money on the infrastructure of signalling, we can do a lot more than actually, you know, building. We need to work, work, use the roads a bit smarter. Yeah, look, as, uh, the green wave is an interesting idea. It does work in some areas. I know that uh, in Copenhagen and also some parts of the Netherlands, they're mm. introducing yeah. green waves. It works when you've got a long corridor where most of the cyclists, they're entering at one end and they're going all the way through yeah, the to other the other end. end and there's a string of traffic lights. So yeah. St Kilda Road could be a good example where a green yeah. wave could work. Yeah. I don't think it works well where you've only got, say, two traffic lights uh, yeah. because you can only really benefit from it when you've got uh, a long sequence yeah. of lights. Uh, the The other thing is that in the Netherlands, what they're trialling now, and this could work very well in Australia, is having rain and temperature sensors so that when yeah. it's raining, the the bike sequence for the traffic lights is favoured because... Uh, waiting at a traffic light while it's raining is yeah. worse for cyclists than it is for motorists. Yeah. So you could do that in Australia, both for rain, but perhaps also, more for importantly, heat. for heat. So if it's above, say, 35 degrees, yeah. uh, the cyclist is favoured. They're also doing uh, really interesting traffic lights called Four Ways Green, where uh, if you've got a, an intersection uh, that has... Uh, uh, so there's, there's four legs of it. The cyclists have one sequence where a cyclist can go in any direction. So they can make a right-hand turn, a left-hand turn. They yeah, can go really. straight. Uh, so it's a, it's a complete uh, – it looks completely chaotic, but it actually works really well. Yeah. And the safety uh, is, uh, is just as good as a regular intersection, but the time delay is much less. So there's lots of interesting things we could do with better light sequencing and also maybe some underpasses as well. You can do good underpasses. They get a bad rap very often, but in the Netherlands they use underpasses a lot. So a good example could be, depending upon what sort of subterranean infrastructure exists, would be uh, Canning Street under Princess Street outside Down O'Connell because I don't know if you've noticed, but I can see around 8.20, 8.30 in the morning, mm. the line gets so long that people at the back of the line Can't don't don't across. always get through no, in the green, no. and then they have to wait another no. two minutes or so. Yeah. And I've got to say, they're pretty notorious, a couple of the, the number of cars I've seen just drive straight through those red lights yeah. on those two pedestrian crossings mm-hmm. is absolutely stunning. Yeah. yeah. And the, the underpasses in the Netherlands, I, I do remember... Um, they're very wide, so they don't have that, um, I think, particularly for women, um, going through an underpass often feels really uncomfortable, but um, they they are they have quite a different feel to them as the, most of the ones we see here. And they have very strict design standards, so yeah. you have to be able to see the light at the other yes. end. Yes. So you're not yeah. going into a dark tunnel. You can yeah. see the other end, and you can see everything that's in that tunnel before yeah. you enter yeah. it. And the reason they favour tunnels over bridges, overpasses, is because as a cyclist, you get the speed going downhill, Down. and then you can use that momentum to go up, up the, the hill. Other. Whereas yeah. if you've got an overpass, you have to pedal hard up the hill and then and then yeah. go down the hill. So it's actually much more energy efficient for a, from a cyclist perspective to have an un, a good, well designed underpass than yeah. an overpass. Yeah. And then we've got the lovely, you know, rail above on stands down towards the beach where actually underneath it has now been, for all everybody complaining about, now is underneath it has been turned into a wonderful large backyard for everybody who yeah. lives alongside. This is the Sky Rail? Yeah. 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 You know, from everybody actually not wanting it, the take-up and the change-over and not, after six months of it being there, 
is amazing. And I think that highlights a really good point, Val, which is that, and this is what they say in the Netherlands a lot of the time, is the pain is in the change. So yeah. talking yeah. about this proposals for using street space differently, a lot of people will find it very difficult to cope with the idea of change. But then once it's implemented, people think, well, hasn't it always been like this? You know, yeah. if you ask yeah, yeah. people 12 why months later, yeah, why didn't we do this before? Or I don't even remember what it was like before yeah. Uh, yeah. is the other common response. And that great tactic of, what was the name, Janet Sutter Khan, who was a yep. New York, yep. or just shipping all the gardens one night in trucks. If you don't like it after a month, we'll take them back out That's again. right. Yeah, I think trialling things, that's actually one of the one of the central themes from our study tools to the Netherlands is that the Dutch are not scared to try things, have a trial, evaluate it. If it's bad, go back. And so this idea of not being too scared to make mistakes, to, to take a few risks, yeah. is something that they're willing to do. And, and they do do things that fail and they go back. But, but now they've got such a strong uh, knowledge base of what does work and what doesn't work that they're actually pretty good at predicting what's going to work well. Yeah. And um, we've seen... Um a bit of that, well, we see it more and more like I know at the moment in Moreland they're trialling the closure of John Street at one end as you were talking about stopping through traffic, but cyclists and pedestrians can go in. So that's on the Brunswick Shimmy, which is a major cycling route. Um, and also the city of Yarra, who the CEO is going to be at your symposium, trialling recently trialling the 30 kilometre an hour um, speed limits. So we are starting to see that being taken up in Australia, but uh, more at the local government area rather than at the state government level. Yeah, I think state government is still some way away from seeing their streets, so their declared roads, as slow-speed streets, but local government are very interested. So when other local councils have found out that we have uh, the mayor and the CEO of the city of Yarra delivering the results from their trial... They've become very interested. So the City of Sydney, for instance, and many other councils are really keen to find out what that experience has been. What is the travel delay? What is the level of compliance? What is the road safety outcomes? Because this is, it's not the first time that a street has been declared a 30 kilometre an hour street, but it is the first time that an area-based area. 30 kilometre an hour yeah. zone has been tried. So I think it's there's a lot of interest in how that has gone because there's very often a lot of... Uh, uh, concern from the public that it's going to dramatically increase their uh, travel time when in actual fact for the most part it would be rare to have more than seven or eight seconds added to your uh, travel time and very and very often there'll be no noticeable difference at all yep and so just um the symposium is going to be held in both melbourne and sydney yeah that's right and the date's in march so it's the 11th of march for sydney and it's the 13th of march for melbourne and in melbourne it'll be held at the melbourne town hall mm-hmm. and uh and we'll have a range of speakers so it'll be a uh, professor Fred Vegman, who is from the Netherlands and has been one of the central characters, I suppose, in the transition uh, from a fairly, uh, well, relatively dangerous place to to use a bike to one of the safe or the safest place to use a bike. We've also got from the Netherlands uh, Meredith Glazer from the University of Amsterdam, uh, John Merritt, the former CEO of Vic Roads and a, a current board member of the TAC, and Jeremy Woolley, who uh, conducted the inquiry into road safety in Australia for the Commonwealth Government uh, as well as the CEO or uh, and the CEO of the city of Yarra. So there's a really good range of speakers and one of the things that we like to do is not have uh, too restricted time for uh, questions and discussion. So there's really generous allotments for Q&As with uh, the audience and, and the speakers built into the program. 
Okay, and people can find all those details at sensibletransport.org.au. That's right. Which we'll also put a link up to um, online with the podcast. And? And have we got time for an event? We've got time for a couple of events. We certainly Um, have. I'm just looking. What we are, that's what we have. A community meeting in uh, on Sydney Road is being held tomorrow, Tuesday the 19th, um, to discuss the um, Vic Roads have announced that they, uh, they won't be cha- making any changes on Sydney Road after their consultation earlier until after the uh, level crossing removal projects on the upfield line, which creates a big problem for the enormous number of commuters who are travelling down the upfield. And um, so there's a a few things to be looked at there. So that is going to be on at the St Ambrose Community Centre on Sydney Road in Brunswick. We'll put a link up um, with a podcast to the details for that. And that's all we have time for today. Thank you very much to Elliot Fishman for coming into the studio. Thanks for having me. 3CR relies on the support of its listeners to stay on the air. You can subscribe or make a donation at 3cr.org.au or by calling 94198377. Coming up next is... Shebop. You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.